I like these two. Thanks, so do I. I want to buy them. How much are they? Gee, I don't know. You don't know? Oh, I never thought I'd come to the point where that would be an issue. Uh, offer me something. 15,000 francs. 15,000 francs? For each. For each. Will that be satisfactory? That'll be good and satisfactory. Are you sure you know what you're doing? What do you care? Hello, and welcome to the Screen Test of Time, the podcast where we watch every movie ever nominated for Best Picture. I'm Susan Araslin. I'm David Dahl. And this week we watched the winner of the 1951 awards, An American in Paris, starring Gene Kelly and Leslie Caron. Uh, or, I mean, technically it's Caron, but, you know. Yeah. In America, we've always said Leslie Karen. In a musical set to the music of George Gershwin. I hated this movie. Oh, good. I would not go that far, but I would... Oh, I hated it. Here's what I would say. <laughs> the entire reason this wins, right, is the 17-minute dream ballet at the end of it. Which I hated more than I hated the rest of the movie, which I hated. <laughs> Here is the thing about that dream ballet that I will say. I did not hate the dream ballet. What I hated about the dream ballet is it's a dream ballet for a completely different fucking movie. It's like this dream plane version of an American's experience in Paris, but not the experience of Gene Kelly's character in this movie. It has like nothing to do with the shit that he did for the rest of the movie. I like, I guess we should get into the plot. But it's so slight. Like, the movie doesn't care about its plot. Which is one of the reasons I hate this film. Yeah. So, yeah, let's get into the plot of this movie that I hate. Gene Kelly plays Jerry Mulligan, a GI who decided to stay in Paris after VE Day to follow his dream of becoming a painter. He is a very bad painter, which you know because you see all of his paintings for very long portions of this movie, which seems like a bad choice because he's a bad painter. He's not a bad painter. It's worse than that. He is a totally mediocre painter who paints the kind of shit that tourists buy on, like, the Molo in Venice or in Montmartre in Paris and then take home and they're like, look at this real painting from a real artist. And it looks like postcard shit. Exactly. And it's representative and you can tell what it is, but there is nothing exciting or interesting about it. <laughs> exactly. And like, that's the wild thing that like one of the many wild things is that like, obviously it's Gene Kelly. So he sings like Gene Kelly and dances like Gene Kelly. And you're like, oh, I guess the paintings will be like this metaphor for his sort of like point of view. And like, no, there is no point of view to his paintings at all. He's just like, I'm going to be the most famous painter in the world. Why? For what? What are you? Anyway, he is friends with a struggling concert pianist. And that concert pianist is friends with like a French nightclub singer. And that nightclub singer is engaged to be married to Leslie Caron. Whose name is Lisa in this, sort of. Yeah, there is an opening dance number for her that is this series of different types of women that maybe she is. And what type of woman is she? And the answer is you learn no details about Lisa. 
She works at a perfume shop. Her name is Lisa. That is everything you learn about Lisa. I don't know if she's actually a dancer or if it's just that Leslie Caron was a ballerina and that was why she was cast in this role. And then, you know, she would basically become for the rest of her career an actress more than a dancer. But she is a very good ballet dancer, which actually becomes something of a problem at a certain point, which we will get into. (laughs) I would agree. A lot of her part in that 17 minute dream ballet becomes Gene Kelly swinging her around. Which, like, is not a, a non-athletic feat. It is a part of dance, but it, it makes her this, like, very passive, like, with what her, is she funny or something? She has tons of parts in that dream ballet. She just has 15 different costumes. <laughs> the parts where she's with him are nothing. They're either her completely showing him up, which is wild because it is Gene Kelly. But wow, do you realize that that man trying to do ballet is just uh, yes. not a thing. So when they actually have to dance together in a way that's not flirtatious, but is supposed to be like, they're in love, it does end up just being him holding her a lot. Exactly. Or them doing these very wide leg sweep baby's first ballet things so that she doesn't completely show him up. And that makes those dance sequences very boring. But I agree that like the problem is actually him and not her. But she doesn't, in a weird way, get to do a lot of impressive shit when they are together. You're right that, like, when she kind of gets the spotlight on her, she gets to do impressive dance numbers. Which this first piece is. Yes. The song that her French boyfriend sings about her, where he's talking about all the different qualities that she has yeah she gets to do a lot of really cool shit it's a shame that that is the first and last and only time that that happens for her character (laughs) i was about to say like that is by far her best dance number once we establish those four characters we kind of don't care about anybody but gene kelly for about 25 minutes as a incredibly hot strawberry blonde heiress goes like hey i would like to fuck you and subsidize your paintings forever and he goes fuck you you capitalist hag oh well and let's not forget and this is one of the reasons why i fucking hate this movie that essentially his issue with her is that she is too old for him yeah but lisa is just the right age lisa is 19 yeah the actress who plays the old hag who was just too old for him, uh, Nina Falk? Yeah. Is 12 years Gene Kelly's junior. Yep. Leslie Caron is 19 years Gene Kelly's junior. <sighs> but Nina Falk is too fucking old for this 39 year old man at the ripe old age of, I'm, I'm sorry, 27? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck? Yeah, it sucks. It also sucks that it's completely unnecessary. It never matters to the plot at all that she exists. She exists just so that Gene Kelly can go, fuck you, you're too old, I want to bang Leslie Caron. Yeah, because there's already an obstacle there. She's engaged to somebody else that she has a long-running relationship with, and they, like, survived World War II together in occupied France. Like, you don't need this random heiress. She contributes nothing other than for me to fucking hate Gene Kelly. Yeah. It's also wild because, like, because that takes up so much oxygen, she just drops, like, 
Oh yeah, no, he hid me from the Nazis during the French occupation. Anyway, bye. And you're like, whoa, whoa, like what? Like I get that that is just very recent history. Like that is recent lived history for people in Paris in 1951. But it is so wild that this movie is just like, anyway, that's just my backstory. I'll see you next scene. Yeah. Like, it isn't given any room to breathe because so much time is taken up by Gene Kelly being given free shit by this hot woman that wants to bang and going like, fuck you, I don't want your money. I want money just generally, but I would like it to fall out of the sky, I guess. I'm endlessly complaining I don't have enough money. But then when somebody offers to just give it to me... I'm like, screw you, I don't need your charity. Well, and what's wild about it, too, is that it's not like she makes overtures to him that are explicit. She just says, look, when you're out with me, don't flirt with other random women because it's embarrassing. And I'm trying to get you hooked up with my society art world friends who will pay lots of money for your shitty paintings. And in fact, when he gets offended, she's like, look, if I wanted a gigolo, I would get a gigolo. I'm actually invested in helping your art career, which like, fine. Would she probably be down to sleep with him? Absolutely. But she's at least like maintaining appearances. (laughs) It's not like he's being demanded to be a sex worker or else he won't, you know, get her support. Yes. I'm just going to very quickly speed run like then they go to this big party that's like fucking wild and we'll get into it. But they do this like I have to go marry the other guy. So we just must part forever, even though we both love each other so much. There's this really long dream ballet. And then the other guy overheard them saying goodbye and is like, I brought her back so that you can bang her. And then the movie's over. I'm doing this plot outline this quickly because much like an Anchors Away, we're going to talk about all the music and dance numbers that have nothing to do with the fucking plot and are so tenuously connected that it is absurd. I mean, some of them do have something to do with the plot. The problem is that the plot is so incredibly thin. And listen, I'm a fan of musicals Mm -hmm. generally. This is not me being... All musical theater is ridiculous and requires too much suspension of disbelief for me to get into it. Like, I'm there. Mm -hmm. I'm there on some of the silly ones. Yeah. But the idea that these two people love each other at all is absurd. They don't talk. The majority of their conversation is her telling him to fuck off and leave her alone And him being like, no, I'm not gonna. And then her being like, okay, fine, I'll go out with you. And then they go out and she smiles awkwardly because she doesn't want to be seen in public with him until they end up walking along the Seine. And then they have a dance number together. They don't talk to each other. No, it would be one thing if it was like, that dance is the expression of their courtship and their love and that we're seeing this deeper level on which they connect. Except, as we've already established, their dance numbers together kind of suck because they're very mismatched in their talents as dancers. And so when they meet on this sort of joint vocabulary of their dance, it's very basic. Or one of them completely takes over. Their first dance number together is like when you watch a couple who have taken four ballroom classes so that they don't trip over each other's feet for their wedding. Yeah. Like, that's it. And we're talking about somebody who is an actual 
trained professional ballerina and fucking Gene Kelly. And that's the most that they can give us that makes any sense. (laughs) It is more tenuously connected than Anchors Away. I would say that's the most connected to the plot number in the entire thing. I Got Rhythm is just Gene Kelly going, all the neighborhood kids love me and I'm going to do a big number with all the neighborhood kids that has nothing to do with me going off with this old heiress lady that, again, is 12 years younger than me. And also has nothing to do with his character or his plot. It's not like, oh, well, Gene Kelly is the guy that all the kids in the neighborhood love and this is a big part of his life. It's like, it's mentioned once that they like him because he gives them bubblegum, which is the setup for this number. And then we never really see the kids again, except in the dream ballet. (laughs) Exactly. The big line in I Got Rhythm is, I got my girl who could ask for anything more. And it's before he meets Lisa. So he doesn't. He's just singing with a bunch of kids. Anyway, then there's like this weird number where he tap dances and is the worst roommate ever on top of the piano of his pianist friend that literally does just seem like we haven't done a dance number in a while, so I have to do a dance number now. Ostensibly, it's like I'm dancing on air because I just met this woman, but it's like they have this interaction where she just goes fuck off and tries to give him the wrong phone number. And he comes home and it's like, I'm so in love, got to dance on a piano. Yeah, I mean, that's also a big thing that I hated about this film. And I realize it is going to be a very long time in film history before guys stalking, harassing and generally being, like, creepy, consent-violating assholes is not rewarded. Yeah. But she is very, very clear that she is not into this. Yeah. And her flipping to saying, okay, fine, I'll go out with you, does not feel earned. It is supposed to be the spine of this movie in this way where it almost doesn't feel like it needs to do anything else. It is very irritating to me. That it just goes like, you know how two people are in love? Well, you can do any, absolutely fucking anything you want based on that. Like, anybody can do fucking anything. Because, like, very tenuously, if you think about it, that's related to two people being in love. Right. Anyway, they do their little dance number by the sin, and it's barely okay. And then the next number is the lounge singer guy doing I'll Build a Stairway to Paradise, and it actually fucking rules, even though it rules 90% because of the set. It is also totally unrelated. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, he's a performer, so he's performing, so we're going to see that. And then... Cool. Yeah, and then cool. It's not related to anything. Also not related to anything. The piano player has a whole dream sequence where he's like the piano player, but also the whole orchestra and also the audience in his like mind palace. The dude plays piano so well, it is genuinely impressive to watch him play the piano on film, but also it has nothing to do with fucking anything. Yet again. Then Gene Kelly and the lounge singer guy have a song where they both sing about how in love they are with their various love interests, not knowing it's the same woman. And guess what? That never becomes plot relevant that they both sang about the same woman. Because as soon as the loud singer figures it out, he goes, that's actually not a conflict at all. You can just have her. Which, like, I guess more power to him, but we don't even know that. (sighs) I mean, it's just, ugh. It does not make any sense at all. And then there's the incredibly long dream ballet sequence that, again, has a lot of cool shit in it. 
there's this whole dream ballet opening thing of like the hustle and bustle of Paris. It's too much for me. I'm overwhelmed. The only North Star I have is Lisa. That was not the plot of this movie fucking at all. That is the story of an American in Paris, but it isn't Jerry Mulligan's story. He seemed to have acclimated himself very well to Paris and have this very bohemian existence in this tiny apartment and he knows everyone on his block and he's just sort of living this quiet obscure life hoping to make it as a painter someday and you're like oh that's an interesting story but it is not interesting enough for this dream ballet that throws all of that out and gives him a completely different backstory yep and just does all of this wild, random shit, like... And then another thing about Paris, another way to view this city, and it's... Let's not forget that they end up at a circus at one point in the Dream Ballet. Yeah. He (laughs) and a whole bunch of other GI guys go into this store and come out dressed like they're in a barbershop quartet. And do a bunch of knee squat in different configuration shit. Okay, but like none of your friends are in the army. This also isn't a thing you did. I do not understand the point of the dream ballet. I also hate dream ballets, honestly. I think they're fucking just a waste of time. So, you know, I'm set up to not like it in the first place. But then I had to watch it. And it made me even more angry. Also, there's the weird part where, like, she's dancing in the fountain and, like, all the sculptures are sort of bombed out. Like, they're missing parts, but their wireframes are there. And it's like, that's not how marble sculpture works, but okay, whatever. I like the Dream Ballet more, and I think the fountain is, like, the best example of this. That fountain looks cool. That fountain doesn't exist for any reason except that fountain looks cool. And on the level of, like, shit happens in that dream ballet that looks cool. I think that that is true. On the level of that dream ballet is the dream ballet for the film that you have been watching, An American in Paris. That dream ballet fucking sucks and has nothing to do with anything and is the loosest excuse to just have Gene Kelly do dance in a movie that is already a series of incredibly flimsy excuses to have Gene Kelly dance. Except that he's not even very good in it. There's like one sequence where he does tap dancing for like 90 seconds out of the 17 minutes and the rest of it is like he's not very good Leslie Caron is great when she can be. Then she has this, like, weirdly erotic, quote-unquote, part because I guess the clarinets are kind of sexy in the part of An American in Paris, the suite. Yeah. I didn't think the dance was very good. I will say the costumes were good. There are some great costumes in there. I thought the costumes were good. I thought the sets were interesting, But again, had that... Yeah, the sets were interesting sometimes. Like, it had that same problem. These are very interesting sets that have nothing to do with this movie. Like, ostensibly, they're like this shitty drawing he did of the Arc de Triomphe in this style of that. But it's also weird because that drawing is not the style that he has drawn anything else in or painted anything else in 
for the whole movie. It's not even the Arc de Triomphe. It's just the gate to the whatever the house is where they're having the party. Oh, yeah. It's not even anything that's recognizably specifically Paris. But that is just the opening of the Dream Ballet. Then they have this Toulouse-Lautrec drawing that's not very good. I love, though, that they have a guy come out with a giant poster board that says Toulouse-Lautrec. And it's, <laughs> that's like, yes. I was joking because I watched this uh, with Nikki and my friend Alex Walker, who's in town and who hates musicals. And uh, this didn't do anything to change his mind. I mean, it wouldn't. So, <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, this is my favorite political cartoon. Like 80 things are going on. And then there's just a guy in the middle labeled Toulouse Lautrec. <laughs> and yeah, then he does this weird bodysuit dance in the Toulouse-Lautrec painting. Which he's not even pulling it off. No, he almost invents twerking like three times, but he just can't get there. He like, he, he pulls back at the last second. Well, he has no hip action because he has that <laughs> tap dancer thing of keeping your torso completely still. So it's very impressive that your legs are doing all this stuff. But he's supposed to be doing some things with his actual torso and hips. And it is very stiff and awkward. Mm -hmm. And he's wearing this basically nude bodysuit. Yeah. That's like the same color as his skin. But it's, oh, it is, it, the whole thing is so fucking awkward. <laughs> yeah. It is so emblematic of just the entire dream ballet in that it's like, why are we doing this? Like, separate from whether or not it is working, why are we doing any of this? You never, in that way that I talked about in The Red Shoes' Dream Ballet, you never have that moment where you click over into, okay, I am in the logic of the Dream Ballet. Well, but also the ballet of The Red Shoes was an actual ballet happening in front of an actual audience. Except, like, it totally wasn't. Like, that's what I'm saying, is there was this moment where it flips over into being this dream logic thing. Right, but we had a setup that made sense for why it's happening. This was like, oh, she left in a car and I'm sad, now a dream ballet. But I think that could be the setup that made sense if the start of this was sadness. But instead it's like, I'm so sad, I'm s I've lost everything without her. All the whores of Paris. Ah, it's too much. And it's like, wait, that was the vibe that's going on in your brain? Like, the, what are you... Do what? Like, that has nothing to do with anything. Or if the story of the dream ballet was a dream where they get together. Yeah. I think it's supposed to be because she does come along a little bit in there, but it, it doesn't match up to their courtship at all. It doesn't match up to his time in Paris at all. It is this completely different story that he is imagining in his brain. Like, I think the idea is supposed to be that... that I No, honestly, I don't know what the fucking idea is supposed to be. And that's the big problem. I still say all dream ballets are shit. Unless they are in the context of an actual ballet. But that, that's just my argument. Yeah. <laughs> How do you make a dream ballet good? Cut it. <laughs> I, I think you can do a good dream ballet if it is exploring the actual thematic stuff from the movie that it is in. Yeah, but why? Just watch it. Just, you know, write a better script so that we explore the things that it's about. I, I think this is a point of view thing because my point of view thing is I don't actually think Leslie Caron is very good in this because I don't give a shit about ballet qua ballet. 
if ballet is just somebody standing on their tippy toes, I'm like, well, fucking great. You have way better balance than me. Established. I don't fucking care. Ballet bores the shit out of me. Like, I only like a dream ballet, but there have been three good dream ballets in the history of human culture. Ah, well, yeah, I mean, I've never seen one, and it's going to be quite some time until La La Land, which apparently has a good one. There are better ones than the La La Land one, but I like dance exploring a thematic thing about the movie. I like that. I like the idea of there are some things that can actually only be expressed through movement, can only be expressed through the physical experience of the body. I find that interesting. I think most dream ballets are like, wouldn't it be cool if we didn't have dialogue? Wouldn't that be arty? Wouldn't that be art-esque? And like, no. Yeah, that is a big (laughs) part of it. And I'm like, not there for that at all. Yeah. Write a better script (laughs) or make a ballet. Yeah. Like, that's fine. If you want to make a ballet, make a ballet. Uh, Yeah, sure. I actually hate tap a little bit less than my parents, but I just straight up don't like ballet very much. I recognize it as impressive, as an impressive physical feat. But it just doesn't click over for me into a thing that I am interested in somebody watching. It's an impressive physical feat to me in the way that, like, eating 60 hot dogs in five minutes is an impressive physical feat. I absolutely (laughs) could not do it. It takes years of training. I don't know why I need to watch you do it. It doesn't click for me as a particularly beautiful way to hold your body. Well, also, apparently you've never seen a good ballet. Oh, I've seen good ballet. I've seen, like, world-class ballet. And, like, I don't know why my brain doesn't click over. No, no, no. A good ballet is different than seeing very good ballet dancers do things from ballets. Like, you gotta see one with a good story. Yeah. And there aren't many. I was about to say, like, I think that's also true of opera. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I hate most opera, too. That's why I like operettas, because they're funny and they're short. Yeah, that's fair. I actually just went to the opera last week, and it was two hours and 15 minutes with no intermission. And I was really grateful that it was only that long because it was not that great. And honestly, for me, when I go to the Met, I want to see the new sets where they take the old operas, but then they go, look at our crazy German expressionism set. Like, that's what I'm there for. And this was done in the original style of the, like, 1872 premiere or whatever. And I was like, I, I, no, not for me. Yeah. No, you go to the Met because you're like, that's a 60-foot-tall fucking wall they just wheeled onto the stage. Yeah, or that just came up from the floor (laughs) and continues to go up. How is this happening? Yeah. Yeah. That's what's interesting about ballet, right? Like, I saw a ballet piece that was an adaptation of Shirley Jackson's The Lottery that was fucking great. The final solo where everybody stones the person to death Spoilers for the short story, The Lottery, by Shirley Jackson. (laughs) Everyone in the cast has to learn that solo because they actually do a drawing of names on stage, which was interesting. And, like, the costumes were neat. And, I mean, it wasn't, like, extravagant by any stretch of the imagination. But they were doing a story that was interesting and made sense. And there was, like, a cohesive thing. It was also, like, 
20 minutes long. Yeah. I think this episode, just because, God, we don't need to talk about this movie, is becoming this weird argument about what is interesting about the nature of dance to both of us, which I think is like, I mean, sure, because you know what isn't interesting? This fucking movie. And I love dance. I mean, I'm not a huge ballet fan generally. I mean, honestly, because it is such a strict form. Yes. I feel like you have to have a good story. You either have to have a very good story like the lottery, or you have to have the New York City Ballet's level of budget where they could just have these fuck-off, wild, automated sets and the costumes are amazing, and, like, that's what you're there for. Because for me, it's like, oh, let's watch Swan Lake with the traditional Swan Lake costumes, and I am fucking asleep ten minutes in. (laughs) Yes. I can't. I just can't with Swan Lake. And, like... The thing that is to me similar about opera, and I wish this were not true about myself because my mother is an opera singer and a quite good opera singer, but I can't really tell the difference between an opera singer that is just not fucking up and a world-class opera singer, you know? Oh, that's... (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) I And, like, I feel the same way about ballet. Somebody who just kind of puts their, you know, leg up back so that they can grab it above their head while standing on the tiptoe of the other leg. I'm impressed you didn't fall over. If there is any, like, level of mastery above that, I cannot tell the difference between that and just not falling over. It's the expressionism, (laughs) right, is really what it is. I mean, that's not so much true in opera because there's also, like, clarity of tone and everything else. But in dance... The difference between somebody who hits it and somebody who makes you feel something is about the acting that is inherent in that, which, yeah, I mean, I feel like that's something actually that you have to watch a lot of dance to get. And if you don't like it, then why would you watch a lot of it? (laughs) Yeah. Which is totally fair. Yeah. My mom's whole philosophy as a singing teacher is that once you sort of connect emotionally with the material... That there is a sort of inherent rightness to singing that your body knows. It takes training to get in contact with it. It takes training to understand it. But that there is a sort of innate quality of correctness. She's taught me singing enough that I have hit it for a bar before. I just hit this moment of like, oh, I know what my body's supposed to do. I know how sound is supposed to come out of my body. I can recognize when someone is doing that or not doing that in opera. And I can't really recognize when someone has spent 10,000 hours doing that versus somebody who's just kind of hitting that a lot. And that's interesting to me. And I sort of feel the same way about ballet where I don't quite have a vocabulary for what great ballet feels like. I know what it looks like, but what hits over between just doing an impressive feat of balance and flexibility into expressing something about the limits of human motion and the limits of what your body can do. Like, I just, it doesn't, it, like, I, that's why I kind of need a dream ballet. I kind of need some thematic hook that I'm holding on to, to understand that. Because when I'm just watching people literally go through the motions, 
I don't fucking understand <laughs> whether whether it's just like that's impressive or whether there's something I'm supposed to be feeling here. And like, I don't get what I'm supposed to be feeling from any of the dance numbers in this movie. That's totally fair. But that's art, right? Like, sometimes people just aren't moved by stuff. Yeah. I really, really want to go, like, ballet is not an invalid art form because I don't like it. I just, like, genuinely, when I see somebody do impressive ballet, I'm like, oh, okay. It doesn't click for me the way that, like, I don't know, I got very excited and talked to Alex about the model work when Doc Ock wakes up in the Sam Raimi Spider-Man 2. Like that, (laughs) just like the weird lighting, the weird way that you throw blood against a wall, like that clicks in for me as like, oh, I know what I'm supposed to be feeling. Like I know the way this is supposed to make me feel off kilter. I find that interesting. I don't want to go like, and that is why Spider-Man 2 is better than the art form of ballet. Blah. Like, welcome to my YouTube channel that's slowly going to become about Nazis in the next five years. Boy, that is actually how those start, isn't it? It really yeah. is. It's like, I went to a museum and modern art is crap. The only good visual art is by this one comic book artist I like. And everything else is bad. And then five years later, they're like arrested for sending a bomb to a Democrat senator or something. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Um, Rate this movie two? Two? Um, Uh, Three? Two or three? Oh, I don't. Yeah. Mm. I feel bad because like there is. Oh, so we didn't really talk about the party scene, which to me is the greatest part of this movie. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. And actually, as a dance scene is more interesting than the dance ballet, but is also not ballet. It's like very wild modern dance that is there to make you feel something, but is definitely dance and is a very naked scene for something that was made during the code era there is a woman that is straight up topless but you only see her from the back at this part right and then there's another woman who's wearing a leotard that is made out of like extremely sheer silk yeah and you can see all of her boobs but you know the silk is black and she is white so i guess like that somehow is fine she's wearing a lot of clothing so it's like she's wearing a leotard she is not even wearing a lot of clothing what i'm saying is she is wearing a a lot of her skin is covered by clothing so spirit of the law letter it's not she's wearing a sleeveless leotard her legs and arms are exposed i thought like it was going over her whatever it doesn't matter if it is like the part going over her legs is entirely (laughs) see-through which is also possible yeah i Whatever. It's also maybe a different character. There are so many wild costuming choices in that scene. I was watching it, as I said, with Nikki and Alex. And because the preceding 40 minutes are outside of the musical numbers, just so boring. Sometimes inside the musical numbers. Some of the... Yeah, exactly. We were just sort of chatting about other things occasionally because, like, fuck, I don't really care about this third scene where they're standing at the riverside talking about how they're so in love and because blah, blah, blah. As soon as that party showed up, it's like this black and white party and everyone's costume is insane. We literally stopped the conversation we were having to start chanting, dice head, dice head. Oh yeah, there was the guy with the dice. There were like two people with (laughs) dice heads. Dice for a head. Her costume is like 
honest to God, the costume she wears is more characterization for her than she gets for the entire rest of the movie. It is! Where she's wearing this sort of puffy ballerina dress that goes to her mid-calf, but she has this crown of stars. Yeah. This is really sweet. And I would say also that Gene Kelly going to visit his old hag of a benefactor, (sighs) who is, again... A tall, stately, statuesque blonde, 12 years younger than he is. And he kisses her and is like, we're going to go to this party. Have you ever been to one of the art student parties? And I'm like, dude, you were way too old to be at one of those. And she says, no, I haven't. And he says, oh, you'll love it. It's like jet-fueled New Year's Eve. And I was like, that's a great phrase. There is no way that this party is going to fulfill that. Oh, my God, it did. (laughs) Yeah. Everyone's costume, even down to, like, Every extra is in an insane costume. It did make me immediately go like, why is this not the whole movie? Why is his life in Paris not this? Right? It's just a succession of these weird ass art student parties that he's like slightly too old for. And then it is just explicitly this argument between like, are you going to embrace a sort of boring suburban-y kind of conventional life with this terrifying old 27 year old hag or try and live the young charmed art student life forever instead of this weird thing that happens right before the end of the movie again i would think that story still kind of sucked because it would go like yeah she's too old still but it would at least be a story you know like there would at least be a reason for her character to exist thematically yeah that would be something there are Even in the dream ballet, even in the earlier numbers, there are these flashes of stuff being interesting that do, I think you're right, like a two is unfair, a a three or a four does seem kind of mean, but it's not more good than bad. Like, it's not like a five or a six. Yeah, I definitely am like, two seems too low and three, but I'm giving it a three on the basis of like budget. Yeah. Is that really a point four? It's like, oh, you had this much budget and the movie still was this bad? I mean, it's strange because this is obviously an absolutely why it won Best Picture, right? Is they just spent so much fucking money on that dream ballet. And the party, yeah. They just shot money out of a cannon that the Academy was like, wow, you really spent a lot of money to put that dance sequence on film. Yep. Great. That is absolutely a thing that I don't think we want to reward the way the Academy did. And yet at the same time, what else is there to say about this movie? And that is on a certain level, like the most interesting thing about this movie, kind of by default. There's nothing on the level of that dance sequence with Jerry from Tom and Jerry in this movie. There's no like big showstopper. Holy shit. Gene Kelly is here number in this yeah he's even unlikable which how do you make gene kelly fucking unlikable it's really you know know what two i'm two and that's with the budget okay yeah i i think my heart is slightly closer to a three but like i'm the one that said two i said it to go with what i thought you were gonna say and you were like maybe two is unfair but like no i think two is fair 
don't watch this movie. Watch Anchors Away. Anchors Away is significantly better than this movie. And it makes no fucking sense. No, but it embraces making no fucking sense. Yeah. In a way where this movie is like, you know how meeting a pretty girl is kind of like your friend having a weird dream sequence where he plays the piano? And it's like... No, those two things are not. That's just a thing that happened. Those are just two things that happened. Yeah. That you put in the same movie. Yeah. No, they are not like that at all. But okay, whatever. Uh, Yeah. Anyway, that's the end of this episode that is surprisingly long because we did a big aside about the nature of ballet and art. Yeah. And next week we are going to watch Quo Vadis, which I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly because my Latin is not good. Yeah. And by not good, I mean largely non-existent. I will say, I don't think if anybody knows that's good because Latin is technically a dead language. So nobody quite knows how Latin was supposed to be pronounced anyway. Uh, Yeah, but I think there's some like general ideas. Anyway. Yes. Anyway, Deborah Kerr is here. It's going to be our first big 1950s epic. The most colossal ever is the tagline of, of the movie. It's, it's, which it's Carr, Deborah Carr. I always but, do this. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's fine. It's spelled that way. Yeah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. It, it doesn't matter in the sense of like, I don't actually like her that much. Um. So we'll see if that changes with this movie um, <laughs> to where I feel worse about pronouncing her name wrong every time it's gonna be a lot the poster promises it will be a lot and i believe it and we'll see if that's a good thing or a bad thing it's also gonna be nearly three hours long oh, fuck me seriously yeah it sure yeah. is we're going back to that huh uh... anyway tune in next week to see if we're more miserable by this movie than an american in paris <laughs> Yep. And until then, this was a 17-minute dream ballet. <laughs> yeah. Bye, everybody. Goodbye. I've got the blues. Ba-da-ba-ba.